this, Jared of the GM on ESPN 1025, the game, the college football four are out. And it's weird because I don't know how I feel about the top four rankings. Because I remember the first year this came out, and they had the top four, and the SEC had three teams in the top four. And this was 2014, and I believe that Alabama, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Oregon were the three S or were the four teams in the first poll and the three SEC teams that made it. And then of course the poll totally changed the next week because Ole Miss played Mississippi State. So like it was or Auburn was in there, or it was something like that. Three SEC teams were in, but two of them played the next week. And we have seen a lot of playoff polls in our life of the way things look when it comes out in November and how it's obviously nothing like what it looks when it becomes December 8th when they will announce who makes the college football playoff. But that did not stop me from watching last night. Did you watch last night? No. Well, it was sandwiched in between basketball. Most people were watching basketball last night, but I know you were not going to watch basketball last night. So the kind of the way to pump it up, I think what they wanted to do was to have that in between basketball for people like you to watch basketball. So it's like, hey, you got to watch the football in between the basketball. Sorry. So go ahead and turn on. (laughs) They had those guys set up in in Madison Square Garden. I know. Is Joey Galloway not sitting there going, what am I doing in a basketball? Why they fly those guys in there just for that, like during a (laughs) halftime show, and then fly them out? Herbie's like, what am I doing here? Yeah, like, why why couldn't you just do it at the studio? Like, why do you. Now, that being said, it's not like Bristol's very far away from New York, and a lot of those guys work in the New York studios. But again, it comes out last night, and I'm watching all along the way. Now, I when I saw Oregon ranked as high as they are, I think they're seventh. I saw Oregon at seven, and the chair of the committee is the Oregon athletic director. I had to chuckle. I'm like, okay, now, like let's let let's calm down here a little bit. Like Oregon seven, but it was fine for me. Georgia six, that made sense. Clemson five. We talked about it yesterday on the show. Clemson at five. That that makes total sense. I, you know, Penn State, I said Penn State was going to be in yesterday. Uh, Trevor said Penn State was going to be in. Penn State's in. Alabama's always going to be in because they're Alabama. And then I saw LSU at number two and Ohio State at number one. And I, I said to myself for a second, I go, okay, calm down, Jared. It's not that big of a deal. It's Ohio State at number one. You know the committee screws around with these rankings left and right. One thing that they'll always do is they'll use the back end of the poll to justify the front end. They'll always throw a little nook and a cranny that you know will be affected by the next week, i.e. LSU beats Alabama. LSU will be number one, so, you know, quit your crying. And if LSU lost to Alabama, they would have dropped off a number one anyway, so don't complain about it too much. But I could not contain myself. Ohio State at number one. How? Their best win is against Cincinnati. That's their best win. Cincinnati. LSU has beaten Florida and Auburn. And they went and beat Texas on the road. And a team whose best win is Cincinnati is ahead of LSU, and I know it's the November 5th poll, and I know they're screwing around with the poll like they always do, and I know I shouldn't get this worked up, and I told myself don't get this worked up, and I'm worked up because how can Ohio State Floyd be number one ahead of LSU? 
I don't even know how they can be ahead of Alabama, to be honest with you. But how can they be ahead of LSU? I mean, that, the those two didn't bother me. I mean, none of the, in my mind, and I said this the other day, it's it's Ohio State and LSU in an in an in a area atmosphere of their own. Then I dropped a notch, and then there was Alabama, and then I dropped another couple of notches, and that's where when we were talking about it before, I thought okay, it'd be Clemson. If it's not going to be Clemson, then I really don't care who it is after that because I think that's, that is like a notch below or actually a couple of notches below everybody else. Um, but that, this is the first poll. This is, this is a nothing poll. You know, I mean, this will, this will completely change. I mean, you know, if Penn State and Ohio State are going to play, so there, there's one of them. I mean, it's just Alabama, like we were LSU. About Alabama, LSU going to play. There's another one. So, I mean, it'll be, it'll be completely I, different in a couple of weeks. I agree. I took the bait, though. I know better than to take debate. I mean, a lot of this is going to cancel itself out. Like, for example, um, a ton of this is going to cancel itself out. Georgia is sitting there at six. Well, Penn State's going to lose a game, or Ohio State or Penn State's going to lose a game, so that eliminates one team. And Alabama LSU is going to lose a game, so that eliminates another team. So Georgia at six, if Georgia wins out, they're in. If Clemson at five wins out and Georgia wins out at six, they're both in. Like, it's that simple. But at the same time, like, there's a, I mean, the two Pac-12 teams at seven and eight. The fact that the chair of the committee is the Oregon athletic director, and Oregon is at seven when Auburn, who beat them, is at eleven. Yeah, the Auburn loss kills them, I think. But it won't, because their 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 AD is the chair of the committee. Well, that's not. He doesn't have anything to do with it. Oh come on, the chair of the committee. No, you can't. If you did something that was obviously biased, you would be tarn feathered. So going back to going back to all of this, uh, they put Cincinnati at twenty. Well, I don't know anything about Cincinnati other than that they suck. Well, I shouldn't say that. Other than that they're Cincinnati, I don't know anything else about it other than they play in a fake conference that nobody cares about. So, I am just sitting up here saying, "Whoa now, whoa now." I know that this is all going to change if LSU beats Alabama next week. LSU goes to number one. No matter what Ohio State does or doesn't do in in the interim, doesn't matter. LSU if they beat Alabama, even if they beat them two nothing on a safety, LSU gets propelled up to number one, and I get that. And but it's still, I feel like the committee. I, I feel I expect better out of the committee. I want the committee to give me their best effort. I don't want the committee to give me a CYA poll every week. That is then where they use the back end of the poll, Cincinnati at number twenty. They use the back end of the poll to justify the front end of the poll. Or they use the front end of the poll to give me some wow moment that makes me drop my jaw. That's what they're doing. It's almost like it's like Skip Bayless came up with the poll. It's like it's made for television to come up with the poll because the poll doesn't really matter. And I get it, but I just want the best effort from the committee. And you cannot tell me that on paper, Ohio State has done enough to be ahead of LSU. You cannot convince me of that right now. This is this is the best system, in my opinion, that we've ever had for choosing a national champion. I mean, the absolute best. And I, I don't think anything really needs to change in the system. I mean, I'm not for expanding it. I'm not for doing any of that. 
because that's a that's a never ending trail. But I think the way they're trying to do it, some of the criteria that they use, as long as they maintain that, then I think you it's it all shakes out and you're going to end up with the best team in the country winning the whole thing. Which is, you know, what really what we're looking for. Although two years ago, Alabama got in as a non-conference champion with one loss, ended up winning the national title. There were a lot of arguments to be made before they before they unveiled the playoff that Alabama didn't belong in there. But none of them were right, as was proven. I don't <laughs> I mean, think that proves anything. I, oh, I think it proves everything. So we were the the pick the the I told you Alabama was the best team in the country. Anybody that watched film. That's why I think the way that thing is set up, the, the, the absolute most important thing is that they continually bring football people in there because you've have to, you have to have football people judging football. And they have to be careful that they don't, you know, think it would be uh, smart to get a politician in there or a, or a writer, or a, somebody that's an author. I mean, any of those things. TV personalities, radio, none of that. They've, they've got to actually keep football people in there um, to to continue to do this and have it work out the way it's worked out. You mean like Condoleezza Rice? That's what I'm saying. We don't, Condoleezza, God bless her. Well, she was in there. She, yeah, I know it. She needs to like, here not you go. be there. Here's who's... <laughs> Here's who's on your committee. Paula Paloa Bovini, R.C. Slocum, Terry Mahari, Scott Strickland, Todd Stansberry, Gary Barda, Scott Strickland, Ray Otterimo, Frank Beamer, Joe Castiglione, uh, Rob Mullins, R.C. Slocum, Frank Beamer. So... I I'm, or those are at least are the recusals. I don't know who all else is in there, but I they usually do have um, some media people in there. You know, this is not the college football playoff committee. Usually, if I'm not mistaken, has like some old media people in there. Now you can't currently be in the media in order to be on the the committee poll, but they usually have some old coaches like RC Slocum, and they usually have old yeah, coaches or, and or ads that have coached or ads that have been around a lot. I mean, none of that bothers me. You know, those other people, though, you can't, I mean, because they're they're too influenced by idiots like us, you know. They just, you need somebody there that can form their own opinion. You don't think coaches are too influenced by what they read and see? No. They read everything. <laughs> the more they say they don't read, the more they do read. Okay. But I go back, again, to this poll last night. It is comical that this committee would put Ohio State at number one in this poll. Comical. And it almost makes me just want to say, you know what, forget the poll, call me on December 8th, and let's start the college football playoff. Because I, I can't. There, there is no logic for why Ohio State is number one in this poll. Let's take your calls. Your thoughts on the poll last night. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Ohio State at one. Alabama is at three. Does Alabama actually deserve to be in the top four? 
We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM, we're live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Let's look at number three right now and see how they stack up. At number three is Alabama. It's the only is question is, is it LSU or Ohio State? The whole time it won. So are we going to have one versus three or two versus three in Tuscaloosa on Saturday? Who's number two? It's LSU. Oh, wow. So the wow. Buckeyes, uh, the Buckeyes, if you – I don't know that they have a marquee win. Their best win would be against Cincinnati. But if you look at the numbers, overall strength of schedule. I was shocked by that. The strength of schedule is stronger than these other teams here. And the Buckeyes are number one. LSU has to be saying, though, what more could we do? Right. I mean, in the last month, they got two top ten wins against Auburn and Florida. They've won a big one against – and it almost – it might say what they think of Texas also. And we talked about this earlier, Reese. Yeah. They beat a top ten Texas team at the time. And now we believe Texas Texas is a pretty good football team. And now Texas – is unranked. So does the committee say, hey, that Texas win doesn't look as good as we originally thought it did? Preach, Joey. Preach. That Texas win is it was a good win, in my opinion. No matter what you want to couch it, how you want to couch it, so on and so forth. Now, if Ohio State's strength of schedule is actually better than LSU's, which again, I find it hard to believe when you beat Florida and Georgia, I mean, Florida and Auburn, that, that anything that you do outside of that would, would would be upstaged by a team whose best win is Cincinnati. But if that's the case, then do you give – like Trevor's come on the show consistently for the last month and said he thinks Ohio State's the best team in the country, right? Right. So if the committee is going in there with their eyeballs and they're saying, we think Ohio State's the best team in the country, are you okay with the committee putting their chips in on Ohio State even though, again, I can't – Ohio State's schedule. I mean, come on. Like, we're going to really say that this schedule, and I don't know what the metric that proves that it, the strength of schedule is better because I think those things are subjective too. But if we're really going to say that, are we okay with it? I mean, here's their schedule. Cincinnati, Indiana, Miami, Ohio, Nebraska, Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin. Like, I mean, this is Joker City in there. I, I, again, I don't have a problem with any of it. I mean, I don't think, I mean, this is, this is kind of the starting point, you know, to get them started, but it doesn't, I mean, they got all the teams in my mind that they need to get there. And the other, you know, the fourth one to me was just kind of, okay, fine. Whoever goes in there. Okay. If and, this were the final we'll go poll, from there. if this were the final poll, would you be okay with it? With Ohio State at one over LSU? Well, I don't know. Tell me, who, what, who did LSU beat Alabama? Did they win the SEC championship? I, mean, I don't just know. Just starting right now. <laughs> Forget about the future. Just say the playoff were to start next week, and they put out these four teams. Are you okay with it? Well, and yeah, but that's not the case. I mean, it's the case is the 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 whole thing is going to be determined by the over the next however many weeks. Because we know that LSU is going to play Alabama. We know Ohio State's going to play Penn State, among others. We know Penn State's going to play, you know, a couple. So, I mean, it's they got a ways to go now. Alabama wins this, then they got to beat Auburn. And, you know, you. so it's there's a lot of ball to be played for these guys. Let's go to your phones. Casey on the playoff. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Casey. Hey, guys. How are you today? Good. This is what I think needs to happen, and uh, I think that it needs to go to eight teams, and I think it should be the first five lots get taken up by the champion of each of the big conference, each of the Power Five conference, so Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, SEC, and then you've got three at-large bids. That's where the committee comes in and picks 
the, the next three. So that's I mean, been yeah. that's been bandied about for forever. Thank you for the call, Casey. The idea of expanding to eight teams with three wild cards and and five automatic qualifiers. The problem is with that is I think college football is worried that you ruin the regular season schedule if you do that. That then all of these other games like it it doesn't matter. The like the winner of Alabama LSU would matter because you have to win the SEC in order to get in, but a lot of the regular games don't have extra weight to it. Like a, a random loss for an Ohio State doesn't matter because Ohio State, if they beat Penn State, would win the Big Ten anyway, so who cares? And that's where I think college football's worried is, hey, if we, if we make it, I mean, it's more fair to have the eight teams, but if we do that, then do we completely punt 90% of our season? Yeah, I don't want to expand it. I mean, I, I don't want to turn to basketball. I don't want to. Eight pretty teams soon, not turning to basketball. I don't want to go. I don't want to go any more than four. Four is it, and I think that's the way it should be. We keep it. You know what? You got to keep it special. Pretty soon it's eight, and and after eight they're going to be well nine and ten is griping because well then let's let's do ten. Well now eleven and twelve are griping. Well let's do twelve. I mean it just goes on and on. How forever. do you do a ten team playoff? I have no idea. I don't think you can do a 10-team playoff. I don't know. You have like one but buy I don't on think, one section. I, and... I don't think. I mean, I like it at four. I would leave it alone at four. I would not mess with it at all. I don't like the idea of Do you taking, like four more than two? I, I don't like to. I like, I like four. Four is exactly right. I don't like the, um, I don't like the, the uh, conference champions because you're going to end up somewhere along the line with you know, somebody that's uh, like an eight and three, six and four, yeah, yeah or something. You know, like upsets, champion. Baylor some, upsets sure. Oklahoma. Somehow they sneak into the championship, and somehow they they win it. And uh, it's Oklahoma's only loss. And this team has lost to Iowa State, to uh, <laughs> you know Kansas, Kansas State, and yet they, but yet they got in the championship game and won it. I don't know if you remember this. In two thousand and four, we went into the last. Uh, no, it's 2003. We went into the last weekend, to conference championship weekend, and this was back when they only took two teams. And USC was number one. I want to say Oklahoma, no, Oklahoma was number one, USC was number two, and LSU was number three. And on that Saturday, USC, not playing in a championship game, but a regular season game, torched Oregon State. So USC was fine. Then Oklahoma got crushed by Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. That was when they had Darren Sproles at Kansas State, and he ran all over Oklahoma. And LSU, with Nick Saban, beat Georgia in the SEC title game. The Georgia win was enough to push LSU into the two, and the loss from Oklahoma wasn't enough to push them down. So USC got kicked out of the title game after winning their game because Kansas State beat Oklahoma. Now, if you go to eight... You do get the your USC in there, but if it's automatic qualifiers, then all of a sudden here is Kansas State in your college football playoff. Do you want Kansas State at any point in the history of football? Do you want Kansas State yeah, in your playoff? No, I don't. Want, I mean, I I like it just the way it is. I wouldn't change a thing. Of course you wouldn't. That's kind. Of, I mean, God bless you, but that's the old man. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I'm not changing for I just, nothing. I'm the old. If Give it me ain't, if it ain't broke, fix. If it's not broke, don't worry about it. Did you? Did you think two teams was broken? Yeah, two teams. It's not. It's too much scrutiny. Just because of like just like the USC Oklahoma. Yeah, it's uh, you know Bruce on the playoff. What's up, Bruce? Yeah, hey Jared. I'm trying to figure out how you think Cincinnati is. 
Ohio State's best win when they beat a ranked Michigan State team at the time and a Wisconsin team who had one loss who's currently sitting at 13 in the college football playoffs. Uh, I'm he's taking, just saying that because they said it on TV. Yes. That's all he's going on. He yes, and, <laughs> and on top of that, I mean, so Wisconsin, like, like, but you can't, no, no, no. The one thing you cannot give me, the one thing you cannot say, because the playoff committee has made this clear every year of the playoff. They've made two things clear. This is one of them. And the one thing that they have made clear, in my opinion, that they have made a big deal is that at the end of the day, where somebody was ranked when you play them does not matter. Correct. But you still have Wisconsin, who was running all over everybody, who was a great team at the time they played, and is still currently ranked number 13 in the college football playoff standings. Hold on. Say that again. Wisconsin's ranked. Wisconsin's currently ranked number 13 in the college football playoff Wisconsin sucks. I mean, we saw that game against (laughs) Illinois, and it's still not better than Florida or Auburn. And I still think, and I still, and and again, Cincinnati won loss, and that's why they said on TV that they think their best win is Cincinnati. You can argue it's Cincinnati. I still think Wisconsin sucks. I still think Ohio State's schedule sucks. I think the Big 12's terrible. I mean, the Big 10. But... I, I get what you're saying. You're upset that I'm saying Cincinnati's their best win. Cincinnati might be their best win. It might be. And I, I have no dog in front. I'm not an Ohio State fan. I just find it funny that you're saying that just because, and like Floyd said, just because you heard it on TV, that's where you're coming from. You know what, though? It makes sense. It makes sense. Cincinnati's a one-loss team, and I don't know anything about Cincinnati other than the fact that they killed UCLA the first week of the year and that they have lost Ohio State 42 to nothing. And if, if we were to be honest, and this is the one thing that I do wonder about this poll, and that is this, and it is, at the end of the day, do we just want it to be a straight eyeball test? Where it's, Floyd, who do you think is the best team in the country? And if we want it to be a straight eyeball test of a Floyd, who do you think the best team in the country is? Then if the committee says Ohio State's better because they think when they watch that Ohio State is better than LSU, then I'm okay with it. And then, because I think all this stuff is subjective, anyways. But they've tried to go out of their way to say that they, you know, use the eye test as a last resort. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the way they're doing it, they've got some parameters. Now, whether you agree with them or not, they've got you know things that they think are important, and I think they go through all those. And then, if there are any ties or something seems out of sequence, then I think they give it the eyeball test. Go from there. And again, as long as you have football people that are in there, you know, making the decision, I have no, I have no problem with it. Now you get a bunch of other people, and then I think you're getting in trouble. You know, you have kind of a snobby attitude towards non-football people. I don't. Let me say this: if I go to, if if I'm going to have surgery, I want to talk to doctors. <laughs> I don't want to talk to newspaper guys. If if I'm flying a plane, I want to talk to pilots. I don't want to talk to those other guys. I want the real deal. If that's your field, you're the expert, that's who I want to talk to. All that rest of that stuff is window dressing. It can go drop. So if I'm on trial for murder... Do you do, do I sit around here and tell you guys how to do radio? No. Why? Because I know nothing about radio. I would I mean, prefer that you, you give us some input. And so I don't, I don't get into it. I let the experts take care of it. 
We talk about radio all the time. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't, I'm not giving advice or I, you don't hear me just stand up and say, well, I think we need to do this. That's like, I just, I got to do an interview tomorrow. I went in and asked the expert the best way to do it because I didn't know. You didn't ask me. I said the expert. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> the, guy, the guy on the board, he's uh, the guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I feel like this show would develop so many characters on this show that if it were, if it were like you got to trust your life with something and your choices are Jared or Ian, I think they would all choose Ian. <laughs> and, and Ian speaks for about of a four-hour show. Ian speaks for about ten minutes a day. Yeah. Like, and that is. That is. They realize how important he is. That, oh yeah, they know. They know. I mean, if it's like, uh, raise a hands, who would trust Ian over Jared? I think three people in the studio would raise their hand. That includes me. 615-737-1025. ESPN.com has graded the eight rookie head coaches. One, where Jared was right. Uh-oh. Two, Uh-oh. where Jared might have been wrong. <laughs> You're excited about that one, aren't you? I'm excited to hear it, yeah. Jared, the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game. So to me, it's like, it's just outstanding, but you're getting what you deserve. You got it. You hired a guy that was on the same staff you fired two coaches with. This is what you deserve, Cleveland. Yes, you have the best, one of the best rosters in the league. You do. You got two of the best receivers in the league, but guess what? I love watching it because this is what happens. And, and to me, are we surprised by it? I, I mean, I am. I thought this team was going to be great. Rex Ryan thought the Browns were going to be great. Not Jared and the GM. Jared and the GM, Floyd, I think you can back me up on this. We said all year, Freddie Kitchens is too inexperienced to coach. Baker Mayfield has not proven enough in the league. The two wide receivers are divas. Although, in fairness to Landry, he really isn't a diva. And he only gets, he only really becomes a diva. Because he's paired with Odell, and it's like, oh, they're both divas. I saw a quote the other day that I thought was kind of good. The guy says, you can't have a good locker room if there's a diva. Well, that's not true. Name one. Thank you. I'm sure I can think of one. They're not. I mean, you go back to Pittsburgh when Brown was there. You go to the Raiders when Brown was there. You go to Cleveland when he's there. I mean, it's interesting. So ESPN has graded the eight new NFL head coaches. Who's acing and who's failing? First, we'll get to that. Is that it? Just just two levels? There's three levels. Okay. So there's the above expectations, the at expectations, and the below expectations. For example, above exceeds expectations. Only one. Matt LaFleur, Green Bay (laughs) Packers. Uh, do we owe him an apology or anything? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Meets expectations. Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona. Vic Fangio, Denver, 3-6. and six. Brian Flores, Miami, 1-7. and seven. I don't know how you can blame Flores for anything, honestly. The fact that they won a game, I think, is impressive. I mean, come on. Flores is your guy. You got to give him a little credit there. It's a mess. Did you call Flores after they won the game? No. You guys were never really all that tight in New England, were you? No, I mean, we were good. I mean, it's just like, a, hey, Floyd, hey, Flo, you know, that kind of thing. It yeah, wasn't I like mean, we go and sit and talk. But, it, but, like, you're not calling Flores to, to check in on how he's doing. Uh, no, I called him when he got the job. What did he I say? Mean, I haven't. Well, I just congratulated him. Did he say thanks, Floyd? 
<laughs> no, he said, kiss my butt, Floyd. I said, okay, thank you very much. Bye. Below expectations, <laughs> Zach Taylor Bingles 0-8. By the way, hey, are we ready to pay up on our Bingles, Floyd? Well, we're not there yet. 0-8 on the Bingles. And Freddie Kitchens, 2-6. and six, Adam Gase, 1-7. and seven, And Bruce Arians, 2-6. and six. They have below expectations. So they think Flores is doing a better job than Arians in Tampa. <laughs> so there are two caveats here, in my opinion. One is Freddie Kitchens. Like, Gase and Kitchens are the two guys. I think both guys are going to get fired. And this is what Rex Ryan said, a coach who knows a lot about getting fired, on ESPN in regards to Freddie Kitchens. You would kill for this talent. And it's so funny how we make excuses for him. You know, first week, hey, that's just the first week, all these penalties. Mm-hmm. Well, it hadn't gotten better. And then you're sitting back going, uh, you know, every every week it's something else that happens. Well, as a coach, guess what? I would kill for this talent. Any coach in the league would kill for this talent. You might be the most talented team you know, in the National Football League, and you're two and five. So who's going to get the, uh, you know, who's going down? I promise you he's going down. Because right, they're not going to fire the players. They're going to fire the coach. So, so Rex says that Freddie Kitchens is going to get fired. So that's a whole story in and of itself. Do you think Gase and Kitchens should be fired, and do you think they will get fired? Well, I don't, th- I mean, uh, I think I'll be surprised, really, if either one's fired. At Simply, the end of the year? Yeah. Simply because the guys that hired them are still there and secure in what they're doing. You know, secure in their job. Well, not, not the guy for Gase. McCagnan was the GM when Gase got hired, and McCagnan's already been fired. I thought this guy hired him. Well, no? like the the owner. So the owner of the Jets, I think, went to go be like a, an ambassador no, for Donald yeah, Trump. I, I so care. his brother came in, and I think his right. brother hired Gase, and Gase and McCagnan didn't get along, so they fired McCagnan. Oh, that's right. I think that is right. I mean, yeah, it's the so Jets, so who know. really knows yeah, with the Jets? I mean, if you're the Jets, I mean, that's such a mess. Who knows? I mean, the places we're talking about are the same cesspools there. And the bottom line is the coaches are not the problem. Coaches are not the issue. Even in Cleveland? No. not. And, and again, I think the reason that they won't get fired in Cleveland is because of John. But in, in Jets... I think the Jets, it's absolutely way, way more than the coach. <laughs> I mean, they have changed coaches. The Jets coaches. are like the Vanderbilt it, of they, the NFL. That's <laughs> a, that is a mess clear to the top. I mean, it's a mess through and through. And and until they wipe it out and start all over, it will it will always be a mess. Exceeds expectations, Matt LaFleur. Is it time now, halfway through his first year, for me who did not think LaFleur could coach a down of football. Hey, Is it time for me to apologize for Matt LaFleur? I would say. Or to Matt LaFleur, I should say. Here's what ESPN writes. LaFleur has built relationships not only with quarterback Aaron Rodgers, which was a must, but with the entire locker room. Most thought LaFleur was hired to revamp the Packers' sluggish offense and get Rodgers back to an MVP level, but perhaps underrated was LaFleur's people skills and his ability to build camaraderie among the players. They've taken ownership in his program, and as free agent Preston Smith told me, quote, you can set a standard, have a standard, but players have to enforce that standard and come out every day and be ready to play for another. Another than a, other than a clunker against the Chargers, that has been the case. What does he need to do better? Not much, says ESPN. 
Second half advice, win the division. Matt LaFleur, 7-2. and two. And I used to crush him. And I'll just say this. I like Mike Vrabel. I like Mike Vrabel, the guy. But the more success Matt LaFleur has without Mike Vrabel worries me about Mike Vrabel. <laughs> only, only you could turn an apology to LaFleur which I have not made. into a slam on Vrabel. Which I have not made an apology only to LaFleur. Only you can do that. That's how starved you are to find a reason to, to just be negative. That's I mean, it's, um, oh, it's absolutely true. I will say this: you weaselled around. You, you know what? You had to think long and hard about that. That just didn't come off the top of your head. You had to be thinking. Let's see. Well, it's not really, and you know they could. Well, they could have given the job to Lafleur. No, that wouldn't. Okay. Well, he, when he left, and that may. Oh, Vrabel's the one to screw it. That's it. Back to Vrabel. Let's get it. Out of here. I'm just saying. <laughs> And that's why everybody wants to cry and complain about Arthur Smith. And I have not done that at all. Ian, back me up. I have stayed out of the Arthur Smith talking about. You are in wait and see mode, I think, right now. Well, and then the other thing I can't get over is the Titans can't make a field goal. Like, they, it's, it's just, it's more fun and it's more dramatic on the radio and with your friends because a lot of people don't like Taylor Lewan. So it's easier to talk bad about Taylor Lewan and blame him than it is to say the Titans can't make a field goal because the Titans not making a field goal is just the reality. Matt LaFleur finished 27th in points last year as offensive coordinator of the Titans. Arthur Smith is 26th and they can't kick. So does that mean that Arthur Smith could go be a head coach of a football team and be 7-2? and two? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying. Could, uh, that's why I'm not going to just get up here and just say that, that Arthur Smith stinks because we saw Lafleur last year by the numbers stunk, and Lafleur 7-2 and two right now. So that's, why, that's part of the reason why I'm not going there on Arthur. But I still, you know, Lafleur's year as a Titans offensive quarterback. I can stand Lafleur. You know, the Titans are in the exact same spot they were in with him, but, you know, he's 7-2. and two. Cedric, go ahead on Matt LaFleur. Man, this is a sad day, man, because we are no longer going to hear Jared says, LaFleur sucks! LaFleur sucks! <laughs> hey, it, it Cedric, is, we're not there yet. If they fall apart in the second half, I am right back to bagging on LaFleur. Well, hey, listen, Jared, man, I, that that is some of the best radio to hear you just go. Look, can I get it just one time? Will you just please say let's what it sucks? I mean, he yeah. sucked when he was offensive coordinator of the Titans. Thank there you for you your go. call, Cedric. He was awful when he was offensive coordinator of the Titans. Awful. They, they didn't make any sense. They wouldn't give Derrick Henry the ball. It's like, boy wonder coach, give Derrick the ball. And then Derrick got to the point to where Derek got to the point to where they didn't have a choice but to give him the ball, and so then they end up throwing bubble screens to Darius Jennings and Daywan Taylor in a play-in game for the playoffs with Blaine Gabbard at quarterback, which may be the crux of the issue with Lafleur, anyways, is that maybe just maybe the Darius Jennings and the and the Taywan Taylors and the Blaine Gabberts and the Marcus Mariotas just simply weren't very good players. That may be the other area of discussion that has not been addressed when it comes to LaFleur. And I told you, if you're a Green Bay fan and you looked at the stats of the Titans offense last year and you were trying to convince yourself You would have never hired him. Never, never ever never. hired him. I, I, I thought it was a joke. Because you would have looked right at the stats. I, I, and no, that's where I, I watched that's him call where every game. you would have 
you would have gotten all your info from those I, I watched him call every game last year, and I thought he stunk. But if you're a Packer fan and you were trying to convince yourself that this was a good hire, your response would be, yeah, Mariota sucks. And guess what? The more as time has gone on and Lafleur has had success with a good quarterback, the more I am inclined to believe that that, that line of thinking, if you're a Packer fan, might be, you know, kind of accurate. So that's where I am. Now, I'll say this. Lafleur and I didn't think Lafleur was going to do a great job. They got a great defense. And Pettin, the defensive coordinator, has done a great job over there. And Freddie Kitchens is a mess in Cleveland. They are a mess. It's like they, they, they don't know what they're doing. Just give the ball to the running back. I know you got the receivers, but just give the ball to Nick Chubb. He's good. But... That's the reality of, of what's going on over there. Congratulations to Cody Elmore, who is the qualifier for a chance to win the Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway to Dallas. The winner will receive round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner with special guests, the Almond Betts Band, and to sleep at the wheel at the American Airlines Center on Tuesday, December 31st. A pair of tickets to see the Predators take on the Stars at the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday, January 1st. Prizes are courtesy of Outback Presents. Next chance to qualify is with Morning Drive tomorrow at 7 a.m. Jared and the GM, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, will join us next. His thoughts on the playoff poll we'll get into, plus his thoughts on the Titans. Is it over for them? You want to go ahead and win some tickets? We'll do that now. Be caller 5. You'll win a pair of tickets to see Burt Kreischer at the Ryman Auditorium on Saturday, April 18th. So caller 5-615-737-1025. You're going to see Burt Kreischer at the Ryman Auditorium. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Titans and Chiefs on Sunday. Pre-game show 930 live from the George Jones. The more I think about the Titans and the Chiefs, the more I don't think it matters if Patrick Mahomes practices or plays. Excuse me. Patrick Mahomes is practicing. The more I the more I think about it, the more I'm not even sure if it matters if he will play or not. That's how much better I think Kansas City might be. So Patrick Mahomes, I guess, practiced a little bit today. Obviously, they're going to say he was limited. But Patrick Mahomes did practice today for Kansas City. I don't know about you. Matt, I get Matt Moore as a backup, but I'm not sure how much it matters if Matt Moore plays or not. Well, uh, if we have a choice, I'd just soon go with more. <laughs> if we got a choice. <laughs> I just don't see, to be honest, I don't see why the Chiefs don't want to hold Mahomes out because they have the bye next week. And so would you not be better off? Would you not be better off if you're Andy Reid looking at it saying, I think we can beat the Titans if they have Matt Moore? You know, I, I feel comfortable in beating the Titans if they have Matt Moore. So play Matt Moore this week, give Mahomes off next week as well, and then you know he's going to be fine when he comes back for the stretch run of the season. I mean, if you're yeah, if you're concerned at all about the knee, now they just had some clips of him going through practice and watching him go through practice. I mean, it didn't, didn't look all that smooth to me. And I'm just watching him warm up, you know. But didn't look like he was flowing, if you will. What wasn't so, flowing? Describe that. What you saw on NFL Network on again as we went over yesterday, Floyd's TV. Uh, what you saw on Floyd's TV of Patrick Mahomes working out that made you question whether or not he would be able to play. Well, no, I'm just watching him move. 
you know, he's warming up. He's doing karaoke's and, you know, crossing over and doing a bunch of that kind of stuff. And it's not, you know, you can tell when a guy's moving easily, you know, fluid, flexible. He didn't, he looked like he was a little bit stiff, which could be, who knows? He's, I'm sure he's got a giant brace on it too. He had long pants on, so he couldn't see it, but, uh, He's probably got a big old giant brace. So Vrabel was asked today about. Uh, so Vrabel was asked today about Mahomes and about like you know what does he what does Mahomes do well on the run? And I thought Vrabel had a really detailed explanation. This is what Vrabel said today. What do you preach to the secondary when you face a guy like Mahomes, who, as you mentioned, gets outside the pocket, makes plays on the run? I mean, what, what are the challenges you, when you face a guy like that? I think that you just have to say that you have to cover him a little longer and, until you hear, you know, the whistle or, or the crowd. Or I mean, it's just, you know, watching this third down, um, you know, guys will take a peek back and then somebody uncovers and, you know, the quarterback's still alive and he makes a throw. He can throw across his body. He can throw it downfield. Um, so you just can't ever relax when they go out there and, you know, the route may seem to come to an end and they kind of relax and then all of a sudden they, they burst on you. And I think that when you take it, that sigh of relief, um, you know, sometimes is when they get you. And, and hopefully we can limit those opportunities just by being able to coordinate the rush and, and, and keep you know, the quarterback, um, you know, from throwing from a well. So I don't exactly know what Vrabel's plan is going to be. But I think Vrabel's scared to death of the idea of Mahomes running around and creating plays, which would scare the daylights out of me, too. I just don't know how you stop him from doing that because that's what he does. And he's, he's outstanding at it. Yeah, he's I like mean, the, best the truth player is he's not, he's not, you know, a, a consistent pocket passer, yet he's still maturing to that. I mean, he'll start off in the pocket, but he's going to be moving right or left or, you know, whatever to escape um, escape the rush. And that secondary response he has after that, that's where he, where he get killed. I mean, he's not just standing in the pocket and throwing the ball is I mean, he's he's OK at all that. I'm not I'm not being negative, but where he kills you and where he is outstanding is when he's out running around on the edge watching somebody sprint down the field. And on the move, he can just flip that ball as far as he wants to and make it accurate. Of course, the guy's wide open because these receivers are so fast that you can't keep up with them anyway. So the receivers are wide open. They're able to flip the ball to him. And, you know, now it's a 70-yard touchdown. And that's uh, that's what they do better than, than anybody in the league. Him... Russell does the same thing Mm -hmm. and does it the same way. And both those teams, if you, I mean, right now, Russell is, you know, they're the leading rushing team in the NFL. And that helps them both do that kind of stuff. We saw Williams last week at Kansas City go for 91. So, you know, they're able to do that stuff. And that helps the quarterback, you know, with play action and all the boots and the waggles and whatever it is you're going to use to get him on the edge. And once he's on the edge, man, oh, man, is he scary. Why can't the Titans ever get receivers like the Chiefs have? You know, just go draft everybody fast, tell them to run, and throw it. Why can't they do that? Doesn't that sound like something that Marcus should be able to do, run around and then just chuck the ball in the air for the receiver? Well, 
Yeah, but I mean, the problem that you have is it's like us. I mean, you know, are you going to be able to protect that long? No. The answer is no. So you say, okay, well, then what are you going to do? Well, now you got guys out running on the edge. And we've, you know, with Marcus, we were always worried him out running on the edge going to take a hit. And, you know, he's on IR. And and Tannehill maybe a little bit the same way, although Tannehill was, I thought, really smart and effective with the way he scrambled last week. Tannehill's a nice I little mean, runner he, now. Yeah, he knew exactly where he wanted to go, when, when. He, I mean, he's he's taken hits. I mean, he was he was like Marcus at a point in time. Well, now he's kind of saying, "Okay, we're done with all that now. We're we're, we're just going to go ahead and wait till we know when we can run and and not take that hit." And he's been really good about it. Vrabel was asked about Tyreek Hill and what makes Tyreek Hill so effective at wide receiver. My thing is Tyreek Hill's really really good, but what? Well, I have my theory on Tyreek Hill. This is what Vrabel said about Tyreek Hill. Well, I mean, I think you have to be conscious. You have to be smart of, you know, where, where you're at and the shots that they like to take and, you know, making sure that you play with, you know, proper leverage and you, that you're on top and that, you know, we understand that they have more X plays than any offense in the league. And that's, um, you know, when they're able to hit those, those chunk plays allow them to change field position, uh, gain momentum. And so uh, he, he's a large part of what they do to, to get those explosive plays. He, he attacks the football um, when, when there's coverage and, and just, you know, like John mentioned, the trust that the quarterback has to, to throw it up to a certain player. So I think Hill's a really good player. I think he's a really bad guy. I think he's a really good player. I think what makes Hill so good is Kelsey because you got to worry about Kelsey and the fact that all the other fast guys are really fast too. So you can't just say, hey, whatever you do, don't let Tyreek Hill run by you. Because if you worry about that, then all the other guys will run by you and kill you. Yeah, I mean, the thing they do better than anybody else in the league as a group is respond to Mahomes' scrambles. When Mahomes start moving around, every one of those guys know where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to do. And they just take off as fast as they are and running. And that's why you heard Mike say, hey, when you think this, you got this guy covered. You can't let up. You got to keep covering because just about the time you think, okay, the play should be over, Mahomes breaks contain. Now he's running around. Now he's gone, and the receiver is adjusting yeah. to it. He's gone. Ball's thrown, and it's touchdown. Why can't other teams do that? Is it just the talent of Mahomes that allows him to do that, or oh yeah, you is it? Because, I mean, they, they ran by people, too, and Alex Smith was the quarterback, but they didn't score 55 points a game. Yeah, and you don't find many people that can throw, that can that can constantly break contain, constantly get out of the pocket, move with the ball, and throw as effectively as he does. I mean, you just don't see much of that. couple of quarterback stories. Cam Newton placed on IR. 55,000 people have asked me, you think the Titans should trade for Cam Newton? My answer to that is absolutely 100%. Hell no. Cam Newton's probably never going to get healthy again for starters. And secondly, Cam wasn't very good when he was a starter, in my opinion. But people are going to say, you think the the Titans should go get Cam Newton? And I say, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I've never been a giant Cam fan to begin with. He's he's just what we're talking about. He's, it, it, Lamar needs to look at this. This is where Lamar's headed. If he's not Lamar's careful, never gotten hurt. 
No, he hasn't, but he will. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, meanwhile, wants... By the way, if you had to pick between Tannehill or Cam to be the starting quarterback next year, you would pick Tannehill, right? Uh, a little bit, I know. I don't even think it's a close com- conversation. I, I'd much rather have Tannehill than Cam Newton. I mean, Tannehill, I know it's only three games. I really like Tannehill from three games. Uh, meanwhile, Mitch Trubisky wants all the Hallis Hall's TV, all the Hallis Hall TVs tuned off to shield criticism. Uh, Trubisky said, "Trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you've got too many people talking on TV about us and what they think about us and what we should do and what we are and what we're not, but they don't really know who we are." or what we're capable of as people, or what we're going through, or what we're thinking. It's just the outside viewers looking in, Trubisky said. Oh, no, Mitch. Getting a little getting a little sensitive oh, there no. in Chicago. And you know what I think this is in response and, to? And Chicago? Now, Chicago is, can get nasty. Oh, yeah, it can. I mean, they can really put it on you. Well, but, it, but he wants the TVs turned off, so that's all the national stuff. You know what I think it is? Stephen A. Smith's big take today was the Bears should trade for Cam Newton. And I think Trubisky probably saw that and got mad. But I don't know why Trubisky would ever tell anybody that he's feeling that way. The last thing you want to do is tell the press that they're in your head. Oh, yeah. Don't ever do that. We know you all read. The last thing you want is to tell somebody. They, do you know the satisfaction I get when somebody tells me so-and-so's mad at me? It is a wonderful satisfaction. 615-737-1025 is the phone that, number. That, you know that's very sad. Well, it just tells me that, that my opinion matters. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> no, that's not it. That's, that's what I think. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Mike Vrabel talked about Derrick Henry's leadership and what he sees in him. Do we see the same things about Derrick Henry? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025, the game.